Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome to Church Macquarie. I'm Fraser Hannum and I'll be taking us through the next instalment of The Great Comeback. This will be the second last one in the series. So I trust that um, you're looking after yourselves, you're staying healthy, you're following that social distancing etiquette and all those sorts of things. I have a bit of advice for you. I've got a bit of a picture coming up on the screen. This is my family. We've got an extended family, so we do a lot of birthdays. We have about 17 birthdays a month, it feels like. And the way we do birthdays is we have the entourage of cars and they pull up outside the the place of the person having the birthday and we unpack all the presents and we get out the little party favours, the the bangers and things, and we sing happy birthday. And then at the end of that all, we throw all the presents into the garage. Someone puts up their roller door, we throw it in, it stays there in the garage for three months for quarantine purposes. We spray it with Glen 20 after three months. If someone's gifted you a can of Glen 20, you need to spray that with another can of Glen 20 before you take it in there. So it gets very, very complex. I I, I can't even follow the procedures. My wife has about four boxes of different quarantine station time things. And it seems like a really good idea. This is Ben's birthday party. Uh, on the front lawn, as you can see. But if you go to the zoomed version of it, you'll see something else taking place in the shot. You'll see Annette's startled face, and you'll see a ricochet of the party favour off my right eyeball. So in an attempt to socially distance from the rest of her family, she's turned the bunger this way, It managed to get no powder burns on my face because my cornea took the full brunt of the force. You can actually see little corkscrews of smoke and streamers coming off my eyeball. Just a warning, social distancing doesn't necessarily mean you're safe and you will always hurt the people closest to you. So, hope you're doing social distancing better than my family is at the moment. Yes, we're talking again, only just. Now, because it's coming out of Easter, when I get to Easter, I always go to this verse in Hebrews. This is Hebrews 4, 15 to 16, with the NIV version. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need, particularly now. But I want to focus on the word empathize. You know, there's some nursing homes years ago who came up with empathy suits. So you would put on these contact lenses that simulated the milky goodness of cataracts and you would stick things in your ears so you couldn't hear. They'd put a whole lot of weight on you so it was hard to get around and they'd build up one of your shoes so you sort of thumped around like that and it was really hard to move. You couldn't see, you couldn't hear, you couldn't do a lot. And the idea of the suit was that staff members would be able to empathise with the people in their care. So you would have that extra level of patience, extra level of grace in dealing with the day-to-day stuff. And what I find absolutely extraordinary when it comes to Easter is that God put on humanity. He put on flesh. He put on the empathy meat suit for 30, 
three years. I mean, can you imagine God experiencing tiredness when the God of the universe shouldn't experience tiredness? And what's that rumbling? That's right, I've got a digestive system. I've got to look after that now. And to the point of having a, um, an internal um, system where, where you can pick up pain receptors. And then at Easter, because of that, dying, that agonizing death on the cross for us, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with us. Jesus knows everything we're going through. He's interested in the big and the medium and the little stuff. He wants to be involved. He wants to interact and he's more than capable of taking care of our needs and being there to comfort us. Just a good thing to remember as we're coming through this season. Now, when I was a young fella, I asked my dad what was the greatest, the greatest sermon in the Bible ever preached. And my dad was a little bit quirky for a few different reasons. I am too. I don't know why we're both quirky. It's a little bit interesting. And he said to me, the greatest sermon ever preached in the Bible was the sermon that brought the disciple Peter to his knees in repentance. The preacher was a chicken, possibly a Rhode Island Red. The sermon was cock-a-doodle-doo. And Peter had to hear the podcast three times before he finally got it. And of course, Dad was talking about the... Jesus prophesied that Peter would deny him three times. Peter said, I'll never leave you. But Jesus said, you will deny me three times before the cock crows. And Jesus is arrested and he's taken away. Peter wants to be close. So he's in the courts and he's listening in. And on three occasions, people said to him, weren't you, weren't you with Jesus? You know, your, your accent, I, I'm, I'm sure you were with him. And on three occasions, he said, I do not know him. And then the chicken crowed. And preachers have been killing chickens ever since. Red Rooster, KFC, you name them all. So Peter's denial was understandable. I mean, if somebody has been arrested and it's highly likely they might go to the cross, you want to distance yourself a little bit. But there was this geographical distance. But after that denial, there, there was a psychological distance too. And we know that Jesus made a great com comeback. He returned from the dead. But then he made a comeback for Peter. And he made a comeback for the rest of the disciples. He made a comeback for us. So let's see how that's unpacked. Now, if you look at John 21, starting from verse 1. Now, Jesus has appeared to them a couple of times, but this is his first really solid engagement. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to the disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon, Peter, Thomas... You want Thomas with you if you're going fishing. Otherwise, you'll go back and say, I caught one that big. And you'll go, I doubt that. <laughs> Nathaniel from Canaan of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together who were unnamed. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. That's a good idea. What do you do when the wheels fall off and it looks like the ministry's over and you don't know what's happening with the calling? Go back to what you used to do before. Same old, same old understandable but there's a bit of a problem so they went out into the boat but that night they caught nothing early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus he called out to them friends 
haven't you any fish? Now, if you're a fisherman, you hate not catching fish. If you're a professional fisherman, you hate not catching fish. And the only thing worse than that is if someone comes along and asks you if you've caught any fish, because then you have to tell them. But what's worse is here Jesus says, haven't you any fish? Implying that he already knows. He just wants you to verbalize your failure in, in, in front. And then he goes on to give them fishing advice. Someone who's clearly not a fisherman. No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the other side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, even today, if you fish, if you're a fisherman, fisher person, you know that the greatest miracle Jesus ever did was knowing how to catch the fish. Tides right, moons there, this is where the fish are. And it seems like they returned to their former careers, but it didn't work because Jesus wasn't there. And I would say that there is no human endeavor that will succeed without Jesus there. It's that presence, that relationship, that intimacy that makes it work. And all of a sudden they catch fish and all of a sudden they knew they were with Jesus. So Pete gets overexcited as usual, jumps in the water, comes out, they start to bring all the fish in. Um, and Jesus says to them in verse 10, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back in the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. We know this is not a story because they actually number the fish. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. This is Jesus' response after the resurrection. What am I going to do? I'm going to find those disciples. I'm going to tell them, you should have stayed with me. You did this wrong. You did this wrong and this wrong. And you should have done this and you should have done that. And you should have done that. Now let's talk about your faith levels. No, his first response was, I'm going to meet them right where they are. And I'm going to provide for their needs. I've got the empathy meat suit on. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to look after them physically their meat suit. Let's just have breakfast. That is the utter grace and mercy of God. I don't know whether I would be responding that way if people I'd been with for three years just disappeared on me before I was crucified. But that's where Jesus, what Jesus does. And then we see in verse 15 this beautiful, wonderful movement of restoration for Peter. Let's read this together. When they had finished eating... So that Peter's filled up, he's ready to roll. Jesus said to him now, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? And he said this, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. What a, a great point as a, a Christian to be at. To be able to say, 
Jesus, you know everything about me. Everything I've done, everything I'm doing, everything I'm going to do, you know every thought that goes through my head. So read me. You know that I love you more than anything on this planet. What a healthy place for a Christian to be. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. So he's moved, Peter's moved from poultry to sheep. Three denials for three calling back to what he's meant to do. That the sheep are the people of God's flock. And he's called to be a shepherd and to shepherd the sheep really well. Three, I do not know Jesus. I do not know Jesus. I do not know Jesus. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. And in one movement, Jesus has met with him where he is, has provided for his needs, and has restored him, and has put him back on his mission. And he does the same for us. But, you know, discipleship, it has a price. And here it comes. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, and when you were and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. How extraordinary. How extraordinary that. The denial was he didn't want to be, he wanted to be with Jesus but didn't want to be implicated with him. He didn't want to go to the, the cross. And Jesus says here, you know that thing that you're terrified of? You know that thing that separated us before? That's exactly the thing that's going to happen. But I'll be with you and you'll be ready for this. You will serve my people and then you will die the way that I did. And he was ready for it. And I know some of us in the church, there are things that we think, I could never go through that. That would be my worst nightmare. And we've had to walk through it. And we've done it. And we've come out the other end holding hands with Jesus. And we're all the stronger for it. But there's an interesting little conversation after that. It seems that Peter accepts this. But then he has a moment that I think we all do. He turns around. Peter turned and saw, this is from verse 20, Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, was following them. When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? I'm going to the cross. What about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. We all have our own calling and it's going to be different from everybody else's and we don't need to be jealous of other people's callings. Although I am, I wish I could um, preach like Roz. I wish I could sing like Matt Ald. Imagine having those Rod Stewart velvety, velvety tones. You know, I just get excited when he comes to me and asks me how I'm going after the church service. I go, ooh. <laughs> but that's not me. I've got my own stuff. Look after your own calling. But the interesting thing about this is we know that Peter didn't live. Sorry, John didn't live to see Jesus come back again. But in a very real way, he did. Because John, as an old man on the island of Patmos, 
had a vision of Jesus coming back again, another comeback. And this is perhaps arguably the greatest comeback. And it's necessary because Easter is wonderful and Jesus died on the cross for my sins and I am forgiven. How amazing is that? On the third day he rose again so that I might have eternal life. And we all share in that. But at the end of the day, I'm going to die. It's shocking, I know. And you're going to die. And our children are going to die and fall asleep. And our grandchildren will die and fall asleep. And Easter will come and Easter will go. And Easter will come and Easter will go. And nothing's really going to change unless something else happens. And this vision that John has that he wrote down in the book of Revelation... This is the the final fulfillment of what Jesus did on the cross for us at Easter time. And as I read it, I want you to focus on that word worthy. And I, I think I'm guilty of using it too easily sometimes. You know, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Thank you, Jesus, for, for going to the cross. Jesus, you are, you are worthy. But it means something so much more deeper, so much more profound. So let's have a listen to this from Revelation. In Revelation 4, John is taken away in the spirit and he's given a glimpse of the throne room. Throne room with God on the throne, 24 elders around him. Um, We've got the four living creatures. All the attendants are in place. But in Revelation 5, something very interesting happens. In the hand of God appears a scroll. And this is God's blueprint for restoring us to his original intention for humanity. Way back in the garden, his desire that we wouldn't experience sickness, we wouldn't experience death. But there's a problem. Let's read. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could be found to open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept. This is John speaking. Because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll and look inside. So this great plan that God has It's not going to happen, it seems. But then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb. This is Jesus, our Passover lamb at Easter. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain standing in the middle of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The Lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of God's people. Are you praying for Jesus to return? And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy 
to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. What powerful verses from um, Revelation. Um, shout out to my Revelation group. It is so interesting that the elder sees a lion and, Jesus, and John sees a lamb. John sees the lamb because it's the lamb of God. That is the first coming of Jesus that culminated in the cross. But the elder sees the lion, the lion of Judah. This is the second coming. This is when everything that was taken away after the sin in the garden will be restored. This is when we will meet with the people that we've lost, family members, friends who have died and gone to, to be with Christ. They will come back. And the intimacy that we have lost with God will be restored. This is the great and final comeback. And this is what Easter is about. Worthy is the Lamb. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you did at Easter time. Lord, we can see where it's leading. The final unfolding of God's plan to redeem creation to himself. And that's why you are worthy, because there's no one in heaven, there's no one on earth, there's no one under the earth that was worthy except you. You are the only one. And Lord Jesus, we pray for everyone during this, this time of this pandemic. We know you are doing amazing things in the midst of it. We know that Google has had a, a spike of people typing in, how do I pray? People that have been brought to the end of themselves are now crying out to the one who can empathize, who has walked in the flesh, the one who is worthy. And even that barbaric yelp, they don't know how else to call out. We know that you respond to that so powerfully. We know that there are bookstores that are running out of copies of the Bible. We know that there are family connections that are being made. There are meaningful conversations between family members in the one household that haven't taken place in years. People who are desperate, down on their luck, running out of finances, are contacting relatives that they swore they'd never speak to again. And there's been some beautiful restorations. And Lord, most of all, at the end of it, we pray that you would take this virus and pick it up and throw it down. And that would be the end of it. And we can get back, back to life as we know it. And while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, remember I can see you through the, through the television. If anyone out there doesn't know Jesus, perhaps you've never walked through the doors at Macquarie, but someone sent you a link, or you, maybe you've found it in Google and you've clicked on it, it's no accident that you're here with us today. And if you want to know that one, the only one that is worthy of your praise, the only one that is able to get you out of this mess, that is able to restore who you're meant to be in God, then I want you to say amen at the end of this prayer. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge that you are the Son of God. And as the Son of God, you came and you died a horrible death on the cross for our sins. Our sins have been paid by a Passover lamb. And we acknowledge that on the third day, you rose again from the dead. 
You rose that we might have eternal life. You ascended into heaven. You're seated at the right hand of the Father. And you are watching over us. Lord, we give you our lives. We hand over all our plans, all our agendas. And for many of us, we thought we knew where our lives were headed. But this has been a good shake-up. As, as Ros has said, you know, you've fluffed us up and the old tissue bits has just flown off. And just us, raw us with our God. Lord, we give it all to you. We give you our plans. We give you our future. We give you our heart, Lord Jesus. Amen. And if you've prayed that prayer, if you click on the link, the prayer link, and, and let us know so we can make contact with you. Praying for a great comeback for you and your family as we, we head into the next few weeks. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.